to the God Coffee and Resilience Podcast, where you can get your weekly dose of confidence, motivation, and inspiration in the midst of adversity. In every segment, we will discuss faith, life's obstacles that try to get in our way, and how we can maintain our resilience with God and a whole lot of coffee. I am Reese, your host. Grab a mug of your choice and come on in. Welcome back, everyone, to God Coffee and Resilience Podcast. This is Reese, your host, and today we have a very, very important guest with us, very unique, Kellen Flukeker. Ha! Kellen Flukeker. Yay! Guys, I was trying my best not to mess it up because people mess up my name all the time. (laughs) So I know how it feels. How are you doing today, Kellen? And thank you for being with us this afternoon. I'm just thrilled to be here. Thank you for inviting me to, to join you today and to chat a little bit about resilience and hope and all that good stuff, especially in this weird time we're going through. I mean, we thought that eventually there was going to be a, an expiration date, like a deadline, like the end of it, and we're still kind of marching through. <laughs> I did imagine that, and I don't know when that expiration date is, but it isn't yet. No, no, unfortunately, but I'm happy I have you because you have a very powerful story. Um, I usually don't do an introduction or anything. I just surprise the audience with us just talking about it and they usually just follow on through. So I'm excited. But before we kind of get into your story, I have an icebreaker. Um, and the first the first question in the icebreaker is fairly easy. I go easy in the beginning. Um, I just asked you, what is your favorite caffeinated beverage? My favorite caffeinated beverage? Um, I don't drink coffee. I used to be a, a Starbucks fiend, and I had an octuple shot latte whatever. Uh, mocha, I never was a latte fan. So today, I don't really, I'm trying to think. I might have Diet Coke or Coke Zero occasionally, but that's really it. I love it. I love it. You're supporting us and being healthy. My friend started the, um, well, she she likes Pepsi, um, Pepsi and Coke. So she started drinking the Coke Zero and she likes that better than the diet. So she said it just tastes better. And I was like, well, I can't, I can't relate because I'm not like the only soda I really drink is root beer and ginger ale. So I'm like, I can hang with you on those two. <laughs> I love ginger ale. I, I agree with you there. And uh, I always make sure I go to A&W once in a while because A&W root beer is indeed the best. The best, the best. And people think I'm weird when I say I like root beer, but I'm like, not root beer floats, just regular root beer. I just like the taste. <laughs> root beer. I'm right with you. You have a, an, a disciple. I love root beer. Yay. I'm happy I got a root beer partner now. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, my second question is, what are three things that most people wouldn't guess about you or know about you? Most people do not know I have a second degree black belt in two different martial arts styles, and I used to do competitive martial arts. That's one thing. Another thing most people don't know about me is that I was many years in a large choir that performed professionally, and four of their albums charted number one on Billboard. 
another thing people mostly don't know about me is that I've written 15 books and I'm in the middle of eight more right now. It took me like a whole year to write my one book. So like, what is your secret? <laughs> the secret is a system that I have. And it's, I finally wrote the book about writing books because I help clients do it. And the way I write books is called the story arc, practical and persuasive magic for speakers, authors, and storytellers. And it's really geared around helping people who have a message from their own life and experience to figure out how to make it powerful, connect with the right audience, and then teach from it. It's exactly what it's designed to do. And I wrote it because I couldn't find it. So I helped clients do it. And then I wrote the book about writing books. Well, I will definitely be picking up a copy. Um, <laughs> definitely. Usually I wait to the end, but where can I find it? <laughs> if you either Amazon me or Google me, you'll find music and books and all kinds of stuff because I accidentally, I didn't really mean to be an author. I didn't write my first book until I got out of my 30-year career, which we'll talk about in the story, and now I can't stop. And when I said I'm in the middle of eight books, I mean it. I just was listening this morning, and right before we got on here, I wrote 3,000 words in one of the books that I'm working on, so several chapters. But the reason I can do that so fast is the story arc. Like, the, the book's done. All I'm doing now is writing it. I love that. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be purchasing my copy today. <laughs> today. Yes, and yes. then we're going to be in contact with each other so I can tell you what I've learned. <laughs> you know, it's one of the interesting things I love doing is uh, three or four times a year, I run a small group of half a dozen people using the story arc as a curriculum over a 90-day period. And if they stay with the homework, they'll have their book done in 90 days. So that's one thing I really love to do since I have learned how to do it. <laughs> yes. Yes, I love it. Well, without further ado, because I know my audience is like, who is this wonderful guy? Um, <laughs> please start from the very beginning, because I know you mentioned um, always starting from the bottom, from the beginning, from the top. Like you went through some trauma, you went through a couple of hardships and um, I don't want to really lead you with any questions. I kind of want to give you free range so that um, you have the chance to tell your story the way you want to tell your story. So if you could start from um, the beginning, the hardships and stuff, and then how we got to the other side of things. Well, thank you. The important message here is I'll tell you the things that happened to me and you, the listeners, whoever you are, are going to have your own pile of things. And for each of us, the pile we have seems like the hardest pile in the universe. And no one can ever understand, you know, what we've been through. And for us individually, that's probably true. My pile started when I was a kid. I was raised in a, uh, a home that was uh, two parents. But my mother was a very religious, a fanatic to a point, and her view of discipline today would be felony child abuse. And, you know, you'd be removed from the home. And so there was a lot of um, discipline, beatings and things that, like, for example, even in high school, I remember getting dressed last in the locker room because I didn't want anyone to see that I was black and blue kind of thing. And so, <clears throat> you know, not upset she did whatever she did in the context of what she understood. What it left me with 
was the conviction, the absolute conviction to the core of my soul that I wasn't okay. I was fundamentally flawed. I was not good enough and I never would be. It's funny because I was blessed with brains. I could get A's in any subject and I could do really well, but it was never the right things. And so I spent, and this is going to sound weird, but I spent my whole life from the time I was 13 till I was 53, which is about 12 years ago. I'm 65 right now. Uh, trying to prove myself to my mom to get that stamp on the forehead, ding, that stamp of approval, right? And of course, that never came. But that journey through depression, I remember uh, trying drugs to get out of this stuff when I was 13, you know, by myself, no peer pressure or anything, just trying to get escaped. And drugs weren't the only thing. That went in and out of my life, and I'll talk about that a little bit as we go along. But I spent my whole life trying to get that approval. And I kept thinking if I make enough money, if I get enough high-ranking positions, you know, can I prove myself? And the one thing I did know how to do was make money. So I got a lot of impressive jobs. And from the outside, it would have looked like, oh, look at that dude. Behind the scenes, I was a personal wreck. I burned relationships. I was married and divorced three times. I had a couple of other failed relationships. I had been in and out of rehab. Um, you know, just like movie stuff, right? One side looks like this. Wow. And behind the scenes, it's like, holy crap. I, I, that guy. And that went on. And at the, the height of all of this in 2007, which is now 14 years ago, I had a divine intervention. It was an invitation to change. And divine things are always issued as an invitation. They never make you, God never makes us do anything, right? But it was an invitation. And I'll tell you what happened. At that time, I was, again, in a high-ranking position. Uh, I had been, I was single again for the third time. I had 14 age kids living with me as a single dad. And I was a $3,000 a week cocaine addict. And I was making so much money that that was lunch money. And so on, a, on August, in August of 2007, I came home on a Friday night. I was getting ready to go out and do my binge for the weekend and whatever. And all of a sudden, I had this urge to turn on the television. Now, it's funny because I didn't watch TV. I had the biggest one you could buy, right? Great, big, whatever. Why? I made a lot of money, so of course you have that stuff, right? There it is. I didn't know how to turn it on. I had to ask one of my kids, how, how do you turn this on? That's how much I didn't watch it. So uh, one of my daughters, she turned it on a little bit disgustingly, like, eh, you know, that kind of thing. She's 16. So I, I sat down and it accidentally landed on a program called Intervention. Now, intervention, I don't know if you know, I didn't. It was some kind of reality TV show where families stage an intervention for one of their loved ones that's in trouble, right? The protagonist on this show was a high-ranking executive with a cocaine problem. <laughs> so I got, I watched about 10 minutes and I said, screw this, I'm not watching it. I got up and went about my business and still thinking I'm going to go out here in a few minutes. And about half an hour later, I turned it on again. I don't know why I turned the TV back on. 
That television show started over at the beginning, in the middle of the hour, and no, I don't have a DVR, and no, it wasn't scheduled, and, and, and. Scared the crap out of me. So I decided, I guess I better watch it. So I did. It didn't go well. The guy refused all the help, went badly, blah, 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 blah. But what it did is it scared me bad enough that I figured out I better go to bed. I'm not going anywhere. So I didn't go out. And when I went to bed, I went to sleep. I went to hell. And I'm in the most literal sense. I was gone somewhere. The whole parade of my life sort of marched before my eyes. Uh, life went before my eyes. It didn't flash. It was slow. And it wasn't in a mean or painful way. Or very painful, agony, but not in an accusing way. It was just factual. At the end of a time, I heard a voice that said, it is enough. I woke up and it was Saturday afternoon at five o'clock. So I had been somewhere for 17 hours or 18 hours. Okay. And I got up and I figured, okay, I've just been issued an invitation to change my life. And like a two by four up the side of the head, right? Okay, so I threw away $1,000 worth of stuff, and that was it. From that day forward, I went from 3000 bucks a week to zero in one day. That was the first half of the divine intervention. The second half occurred two weeks later. I knew I had to quit the jobs I was doing, quit the career I was in, and go do something else, or I wouldn't be able to keep going, but I hadn't quit yet. Two weeks later, <clears throat> I had tickets to a concert, a classical concert. The performer was a guy named Yo-Yo Ma. Now, if you know classical music, you know who that is. And if you don't, you don't. That's fine. But he's an electrifying cellist, best in the world, blah, blah, blah. Here was the fun part. I got two tickets. I got lots of free stuff because the position I was in had a lot of authority and I made a lot of big decisions that affect a lot of companies. And so they gave me all kinds of free stuff. Sports tickets, concert tickets, box seats, this, that, and the other. So I had two tickets, but I was single. And I, I, so I said to the, the groups I managed, who likes classical music? And some lady in one of the groups said, well, I do. And I looked at her and I said, have I ever given you anything before? No. Okay, here. See you there. So we met at the concert. And halfway through the concert, and it was electrifying and powerful, I had this feeling come over me and I recognized it because it was now two weeks. I was stone cold sober, right? And the voice in my head said, <clears throat> you need to marry this woman. And I said, you are crazy, right? I failed at this whole bunch of times. It's not okay. You know, you're crazy. And then later that night, we were backstage because they were backstage passes, of course. And it came back and said, comma, <clears throat> and you need to tell her tonight. So I argued like you would have expected because, you know, doing something like that, I could have been charged with sexual harassment and all kinds of crazy stuff. But you don't win those arguments. So I did. And it went about like you would have expected. <laughs> yeah. Are you out of your mind? Kind of thing. But didn't do anything like weird, like scream at me or file charges. Two weeks later, she'd had her own set of experiences. I quit. She quit, walked away from the career, and we've been together now 14 years and some change. Wow. So that was the other half of the divine intervention. 
a couple of unbelievable oh. things, but it launched me on a path and the invitation was to get sober and the tool for me to learn to get through the depression that had plagued me for 40 years and brought me to that point was in the form of the angel that came. So that was her. And her name is Joy, right? Sure. You can't make this stuff up. No. So that was the beginning. And with her help, first few years were difficult. I, I went to talk to somebody for the first time in my life. And uh, you know what I mean? I went to get some help. I said, this is not okay. I've got to do something. And we started the path of recovery. And I literally had no idea what I was going to do, right? What I decided was, gee, I knew how to do one thing, and that was help people do things they didn't believe they could do, because that's what I'd done a lot as a consultant, really difficult things. I was the guy they hired to go do that stuff, you know, hard things. So I decided I'd become a coach, and the rest of the story is a long road of choices to stay not only recovered from substances, which has been, quite frankly, the easy part, the hard part was the depression and the decades-long feeling of not good enough, releasing the need for external approval, releasing the need to be told you're okay, deepening the connection with the divine. Right? I, that's when I started writing books. I hadn't written anything before that except some papers and professional capacity. One of the first books I wrote was Tightrope of Depression, my journey from darkness, despair, and death to light, love, and life. And all the details of all those things I just briefly described are in that book, if anybody's interested. And so the rest of the story is the last 14 years have been years of growth and joy. I now live, I mean this in the most literal way, to help people discover and develop and manifest their divine gifts. So. In that time, I accepted those invitations to change, which included some pretty scary stuff. I walked away from millions of dollars and worth of contracts and stuff to go be some new person and figure it out along the way. That's where you find me today, where I don't do anything except morning to night, find out ways, live into ways to help people discover develop and manifest their divine gifts. And that's it. So that's the story. There's details in all kinds of books uh, that I've written, Tightrope. And then I wrote the sequel to that called Down from the Gallows. Uh, and there's a third volume, which I hadn't intended for there to be more than one, but the third one will be out at the end of next year, end of 2022. And I haven't revealed the name of that yet, but I have it and I have it outlined it's just one of the eight that i said that i'm working on well can i just say i'm so so proud of you <laughs> can i just say that i mean you did some hard i mean you went through your story i can imagine you you speak and you you tell your story a lot because you your whole purpose right now is to help other people find their purpose and so you're trying to encourage them so what better way to encourage them than to tell your story but i mean you you talked about like 
getting clean from substances. I do psychiatry. I do addiction and, and substance abuse all the time. And the hardest part is them wanting to find the, the I guess, the place where they're in the place to change. That's the hardest thing. Um, it's everybody else's fault except their fault. And when they finally get to the place where they want to change and they go through IOP and the substances and the things like that, they come out and they're feeling so much better and their life changes. And, and it's, it's very rewarding to see someone at the beginning versus when they get over that hump and go to the other side. But you did that. Um, at the help of with your wife and and the Lord, of course, but it just went by like that because you were obedient. Yes, you had a little bit of a resistance and you were like, it's crazy. This is nuts. But it scared you enough to want to listen to do what you had to do. And that is not an easy task. It's it's a it's a choice every day to remain sober. Um, but oh, my goodness, you said so much. <laughs> And there's so much more I could comment on, but my goodness, you're my inspiration. Um, goodness, I too battled with people pleasing because I was sexually abused, mentally abused, physically abused. And so all I wanted to do was make somebody happy. And much like you, nothing was ever good enough. And so um, hearing somebody else say that lets me know I'm not the only one. <laughs> I'm not the only one. You're certainly not. Um, I I was so scared when I when I wrote Tightrope. It was honest, and and a lot of people that knew who I was in positions of power didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So I waited a year. I was so scared to publish that book because of my family's reaction, because I was revealing the kinds of things that had happened, the, the physical abuse. Yeah and verbal and emotional and et cetera, et cetera, but mostly physical. And also the fact that I was, you know, functioning addict in positions of making billion dollar decisions and stuff and terrified me. So I waited a year after I wrote it to let it be published and had a lot of sleepless nights, scared to death to do it. And if I, if I can offer the thing by way of encouragement, you're going to feel that. You're going to have people that would rather see you as broken. You're going to experience people who have their story of life, including you in a certain way, a certain role in a certain place. You don't have to live there. The future is not a projection of the past unless you allow that. And even though <clears throat> I've had family members and even some of my kids, and I have 10 kids, which is going to be another surprise, <laughs> but I have 10 kids. Some of them still don't talk to me. The burned up marriages and, you know, some of them knew me in addiction roles and stuff like that. And it took two years for several of them to even believe that I was clean. They said I was still lying and, you know, addicted, et cetera, et cetera, still using. And some, I just was writing a chapter in a, the book I'm working on right now is called Forgiveness, A Journey of Courage to a Place of Peace and Power. And I was writing about the fact that one of my kids, still to this day, you ruined my life, you know, and she's in her 30s and still needs me to be in the role of destroyer of everything that ever happened to her and is, I've done everything I can possibly do but has the sense that 
not taking our own responsibility and availing yourself of mine or anyone else's help to truly take control and manifest the kind of life she wants to have. And so even if there are people who love you better as a failure, even if there are people who want to keep you where you were, even if they're, even if your own story, for me, my own story was I hated myself. Look at all the crap that I've done. I suck no matter what. The truth is this, if you don't forgive yourself, you're useless. You can't go be a light and a blessing to anybody if you're wallowing in self-loathing. On the other hand, if you've been the victim of bad stuff, even horrible stuff, you don't control the levers of justice. If, if we can't learn to release that to God or the law or both, then again, we're limited and hobbled from being valuable. And forgiveness doesn't mean absolution or pretending things doesn't, didn't happen. Of course not. It means taking control of your own life and living the best you can without holding a backpack full of rocks for vengeance or for guilt or for anything like that. Yes, and I couldn't agree more. I, it took me a minute to get to that point because it, for the, I was pointing fingers, and I'm pretty sure some of our listeners was doing the same thing, or if not doing it now, pointing fingers, and it's it's your fault. I'm this way, and it's your. And as soon as I felt, I started therapy, and as soon as I started letting that go, um, it's just amazing how my life shifted. And so I couldn't agree with you more. That was beautiful advice. Oh, my goodness. I could have you back on the show several more times if you let me. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, the, the, the place, the way you see me now is in the people encouragement business. That's what I call coaching, writing books yeah. and helping yeah. other people write books and helping them create businesses with their, with their passion and all that sort of thing. That didn't happen accidentally, and it sure as heck didn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a wandering journey. And in fact, the sequel to Tightrope of Depression, I call Down from the Gallows. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's all the stories about the process of recovery, not just from substance, but from self-loathing. My addiction wasn't so much to substances. Yeah, white stuff was my drug of choice. But the addiction was self-loathing. I hated myself and I had to keep proving and, and, you know, whatever drugs handy is convenient, but the real addiction was I had to hate myself because I sucked. I was not good enough. And when I got successful making money and I had a guy, one of my neighbors tell me once he had garage envy, he said, every time I drive by your garage, I have garage envy. And I had six cars and, you know, motorcycles and all the crap that you have. Right. And I thought, Dude, if you had any idea, right? right? That's if you knew, yeah, you wouldn't have anything envy. And so, all that, it doesn't matter. What matters is owning who you are and choosing, like you said, just let that stuff go. Choose a new future. Yes, yes. Choose a new future. And I mean, if my audience wants to connect with you or um, have you for any services or have you as a coach, how can they find you or connect with you off of this this wonderful interview that we have done? Because I know that my audience is like, what's his information? <laughs> well, I'm super 
easy to find. When you have a name like Kellen Flukiger, it's like I can't hide. So as long as you spell my name right, if you put it in on Google, there's thousands of things, both my executive career and my coaching. Uh, there's only two Kellen Flukigers in the world of 8 billion people, and the other one's my son. And so super easy to find. You can connect with me on Facebook, send me a message and tell me who you are because I get all kinds of weird friend requests like I'm sure all of you do. Uh, I'm easy to find. I have a website and guess what? It's my name, www.kellenflukiger.com. My email address is also easy. It's coachkellenflukiger at gmail.com. So, and you can put my name in on Amazon and use books and everything else. So I'm really, really easy to find and I'd be happy to do what I can to help you discover, develop, and manifest your divine gifts. Oh, thank you so much. I'm pretty sure me and my audience appreciates that. And guys, don't worry if you're at work, if you're driving, if you're walking in the park, don't have a pen and a piece of paper, not to fear. In the show notes, I will have everything listed on every platform every um, and his website so that you guys can get in touch with him easily and find him on Amazon. Um, I'm so happy and grateful for what you shared with us today. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you so much for being so transparent and honest and sharing your hardships, but also um, how that that point just changed your life and how you came out on the other side. It wasn't easy, but it's doable. It's, it's You can do it. <laughs> it's achievable. And so I thank you so much. You're certainly welcome. The, the last thing I'd just like to say is, look, I don't know your individual story and you know lot more about mine than I know about yours. But what I do know is no matter where you've been, no matter what has happened, and no matter what you think today, something new and different is possible. I don't care what's happened before. Tomorrow is new, blank, and unwritten. And sometimes we need help and find the courage to make different choices, but the page is still blank, and you hold the pen. Yes. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And that's right. That's so true. But you don't think of it that way. <laughs> Most people get so caught up in the day to day and they're just like, okay, tomorrow I have to do this and I got to do that and blah, blah. But yes, you put it in a very simple, simplistic and beautiful way. So thank you. Oh my sure goodness. I could stay on here and talk to you forever. <laughs> I appreciate being here. I uh, appreciate sharing the message and, and mean every word of it. Like I'm, I'm pretty transparent. Like what you see is what you get. If you talk to me a different day or at a different time, uh, same dude. <laughs> same, same person. Love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you all took something away from it because I surely did. Um, if you guys want to get in contact with me, you know how to. Everything is in the show notes. But guys, I hope that you take care of yourself and be safe out there. And we will touch base again on the next episode. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of God Coffee and Resilience. You can also follow us on Instagram at God Coffee and Resilience Podcast. You can also follow the host, Reese, at 
TheResilientPA, and you can also check out our website at TheResilientPA.com. Take care, guys.